Welcome back into another episode of George in the Jungle. I'm Aaron Smith, joined as always by George Vogel himself here on the Bearcat Journal Network. This show, as always, is brought to you by Remington Tavern. You can be at Remington Tavern drinking your Bearcat loss to the Texas Longhorn Sorrows away at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140. They have daily happy hours from 3 to 7 p.m. $5 Woodford Wednesdays. You can check them out on Instagram at RemyTav, R-E-M-I-T-A-V, Cincy with a Y, or you can follow them on Facebook. George, you just made it home from being at the game, and Cincinnati coming off of an upset victory against BYU. They dropped this one to the Texas Longhorns, 74-73, came down to the final minute. Yeah, um, I think everybody who walked out of that place felt like UC should have won that game. Um, but it was a great game. And I will tell you this, um, I'm looking. They used to put the price on these tickets, but whatever the hell I paid for these tonight, it was worth it. That was a great show. It was a great game, great atmosphere, a lot of fun, got everything but the win. But um, – I got to tell you, Aaron, I'm somewhat encouraged based on Saturday night um, and based on even tonight. It just feels to me like we're you're, you're back in that arena. It was rocking pretty good. Then it's rocking more as the game goes on. And uh, it felt like big-time basketball is back. Um, it felt like these games have meaning, they have purpose. It's not a throwaway game against somebody that's not going to do any damage in March. Um, it, it was like a throwback to the Big East days when you you it didn't matter what game you went to, you were seeing an opponent that was damn good. Um, so I, I it, it was a lot of fun. It should have been a little more fun walking out of that arena, but I'll tell you what, those kids on both sides played their butts off. It was a lot of fun. A uh, couple of takeaways from uh, not criticizing the team. I feel like the officials in the Big 12 are a lot like the officials in the American. In fact, the officials in the American might be better because they know what a foul and a travel is. Um, and I, I felt like there could have been a travel <laughs> call for those final possessions for Texas, and they let it go. I mean, the kid, fuck, yeah, he, he moved both feet. They slid. That's a travel. Uh, should have been a turnover. But you can nitpick those little things from start to finish. Um, another thing that struck me is Texas had about, I, I don't know how many support personnel they have, but you almost need an extra arena for their support personnel. They had like two guys for every player. I don't know if they clean their shoes in timeouts. I don't know what they need all these people in orange shirts for, but they ran out of chairs. They were still looking for chairs at halftime for their support personnel. But aside from that, it was great basketball, <laughs> great environment. And now we can get into the whys and why nots. UC didn't come out of there with a win. And I will start with this turnovers early in the game. It drives me nuts. And it drove me nuts against BYU. When UC keeps trying this over the top lob, 
Now, look, that's fun when you're playing Illinois, Chicago, or whoever the hell they played early on, Detroit, Mercy. You know, you may get away with that with those teams. Texas is too long and athletic to do that. BYU, who isn't the most athletic bunch I've seen, as we saw, they were kind of a one-trick pony with the three-point shot. Um, but you can't get away with it with them either. And so they got to stop doing that. And, and what burns me up is it's early in the game. It's like that should not be your offense to try it. If it's there, fine. But obviously it wasn't there. They tried it like three or four times early in this game, and all of them were disrupted, and and probably three of the four were turnovers. So that drove me nuts. Um, free throw shootings got to be better. But all in all, if I had to really my, – my biggest beef outside of that throwing over the top would be when Vic and Jamil established themselves down low in that second half. Texas wanted no part of them defensively. They did right. not want any part of them down in the post. And I just felt like UC could have forced that issue a little better. But that's kind of nitpicking at my point. They were right in the game, should have won the game. If John Newman hits his free throws, uh, they certainly at least get it to overtime. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. We sat here last week and thought there was no chance they could go on the road and beat BYU in a 10 o'clock game on a Saturday night. And they played their defense there like they played the defense in that second half of what what was the last game going into conference? Stetson? I think uh, that, is that who it was? This, I'm checking. I was this I thought it was um Evansville. Whatever the hell it was, Evansville. the second half defense was completely de- oh, it was uh Evansville. The second half defense was completely different from the first half in terms of hustle, execution, help, all that stuff was there. Um, and, and I thought all that stuff was there tonight for the most part. I, I I thought they did a damn good job. Could it have been better? Yes. But it's not the train wreck that we thought maybe it could be going into the Big 12 uh, where every night it's a dogfight. Tonight – I mean, that was a great game. I'm glad I went. I wish they would have won. I feel like they should have won. But that was two hours well spent inside an arena that had a lot of energy, and I'm glad that kind of basketball is back. Yeah, uh, kind of to your point, I mean, we even saw the the red sweater crowd down in the lower bowl even standing at certain points during the game, and that never happens. So that's encouraging. Last three minutes, pretty much everybody was standing, and I took note of that. And – the so-called Reds, the red sweaters crowd was late again showing up tonight too. There were a lot of. I don't Get out know. Of the club. I don't know. I it drives me crazy. <laughs> and, and, and I'm looking in the upper deck, and people that are 20 rows up from the first row of the upper deck, you know, they've got neon red lights, and they're into it. It's like, my God, those people would kill. However, they did eventually fill in. You know, and a lot of that is those people are in the Champions Club and that, and I get it. Yeah. Um, you got free food and drink up there. Um, so, but but believe me, in that second half and when it came down the stretch, that was as live of an arena. I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, when's the last time I saw it like this in here? And, and, and it's been there, but I had to go back 
Um, it, I mean, it almost felt like that 2019 Xavier game when UC kind of pulled away and and, and kind of owned it in the second half where the place was just jumping. And it was jumping tonight. It, it was a lot of fun. And so, you know, hats off to the Bearcats administration and everybody else getting to where they are. And it's an event now. These basketball games are events. And it was a lot of fun. I, I, yeah. I walked out of there PO'd because it was a loss at the sure. bar and it shouldn't have happened. But at the same time, I had a hell of a time tonight. That was an entertaining two hours. It was a lot of fun. It looked like uh, in in the post-game presser, I didn't have a chance to watch any of them yet, uh, but it, it looks like Rodney Terry and some of the players even commented on just how uh, loud the atmosphere was, proclaiming it a, a Big 12 atmosphere. Uh, the defense was uh, proclaimed by Rodney Terry as the best defense they'd seen all season long uh, as Texas struggled. Uh, they did put up 74, but they, they struggled. I'll tell you what, one of the things that I'm getting tired of seeing, George, I know you're tired of the lobs. I'm tired of Cincinnati, at least in, in two games so far in Big 12, and I know it happened at least once or twice during the uh, out-of-conference, but I'm tired of this team giving up somebody's career high as a high scorer on the other side. I know that you have to give up the points to somebody. I get that, but, man – are we, is this is this the identity of the defense? Is like are we going to see this all season? Well, you know they did a good job on the Max kid, even they though did. he's a game winner, and he he you know he he can walk out and got the last laugh. We did a good job there. This Dsu guy is that his name? Yeah, number one. Holy God, what a game he had! He's out Dylan. there threes, and it's like. After he hit the first two threes, and then UC was still kind of leaving him open. You got to be in that guy's. I'm sorry, you got to be in his jock strap all over the court when he <laughs> off like that. You do, you do, and they were still kind of giving him room. And and I'm telling you, here's where I feel like things got away, and it goes back to what I said earlier about pounding the post. That kid wanted no part of that. When Vic was down there or Jamil was down there, go at that guy. Get him in foul trouble. Get his butt out of the game when he's having his career night. Just pound at him. Just set it up. Get four guys out. Dump it into Vic and let him go to work on that dude and see if he can either get the bucket or draw a foul and get that kid out of there. That's my biggest complaint. Yeah, Vic had Vic had a very good night, though, 17 points, 7 to 12 from the field. Vic was really, really good. I think he could have had a better night. And, yeah. and that's not because of Vic. And, and I, I got to tell you, they, they were flying around. He was flying around. I, I Those kids played their butts off. Um, I'm not going to uh, sit here and, and, and complain about effort or this guy could have done that. They, they played their butts off. They should have made free throws. Part of the game, uh, the wrong guys were getting fouled, I felt like. It was mostly the big men and then Newman at the end. Um, and, and John's been pretty good at that. He, he's, you know, he made him the other night, and it's just a shame he didn't tonight. Agreed. Uh, he, he finished with one of his lower scoring games as he ended up with just uh, the five points there, one of six from the field. Um, 
he still ended up with a plus minus though of 15 on the night. So John certainly out there disrupting defensively, yeah. even when he's not having a good offensive night, he's certainly out there still disrupting on the defense. He made a difference. A guy that surprised me the last two games and, and, and you know, my son's a big believer in this kid and we've been going back and forth is Josh Reed. And he had another good game tonight. That kid gives you a good solid three minute shift where he doesn't, you know, I, I wasn't sure. And I'm, I'm sure the coaches would slap me upside the head. But I just was not sure he was athletic enough to play at this level when I saw him last year. I just mm -hmm. wasn't sure. And now I'm seeing some stuff out of him that's really, really good. And, and I think that's a dude that's probably going to see some more minutes coming up here. And he's got to, uh, you know, I hope he stays, and I think he will. Um, you know, this portal thing's just crazy. Just I, it, It's nuts. But if that kid stays and continues to progress the way he has, he's going to be a damn good player here. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, he's, he saw 17 minutes tonight, uh, so he's certainly improving. Uh, he's been improving defensively, as we've seen. Uh, that's how he's earned the minutes that he's gotten the last couple games. And offensively, he's really choosing some some good shots. He's getting really play good luck. Yes, I, he does play smart. I agree. He does not force stuff. He doesn't. And then he's in the right spots. And then he just somehow, when the ball's in the air, manages to get to a spot where he can at least tip it to somebody or disrupt it. Mm -hmm. um, I was impressed. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of good things going on here, even though it's uh, – you know, tonight was not a victory. Yeah, as you talk about earning more minutes, I was clamoring for more minutes for this guy just last the last game against BYU as he only had 13 minutes. He improves to 15 minutes tonight. Still don't think it's enough as I don't feel like I've seen enough out of the guy getting the vast majority of the minutes at this position. But Jizzle James, four points, two of five from the field, um, two assists, one rebound. Uh, another, what did he have? Two turnovers, um, as a lot of guys had turnovers tonight. Uh, but he ended up with a, with a block and a steal. Uh, people, Chad's knock on him and why he, you wouldn't give him more minutes is because Day Day has the defense. I thought Jizzle had pretty good defense tonight. I, I thought it was a, an improvement, certainly from BYU. It was. I, I, th I think Wes is seeing that too, in that he did put Jizzle in. There, there was like three minutes ago or something, and I even I told the people I'm sitting with, I'm like, well, this is a little bit of a switch from the other night because Jizzle's in right now. And, and Aaron, I will say this, and this is probably the old man and me and Chad, um, thinking defense first and all that. He did get lost a few times in that first half defensively and gave up a backdoor cut, and he got lost a couple times where – they, they, you know, they ended up switching, but they shouldn't have. There's something, but it's close. It's close. And I think you're going to see him get a little more run and a little more trust as he goes on. He's a freshman. And when you're a head coach and, and it's your butt on the line, you're a little tentative with these freshmen until you know you can trust them. I think he's going to find out more and more he can trust him. I can tell you this, and you know this. 
Offensively, he is a flat-out dude. He puts pressure on the defense. He does things that you can't teach. Um, he's so his mid-range game is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I, I prayers up that that dude stays because he's going to be really, really good. Uh, he, he's pretty damn good right now. I think there's some things defensively that Wes is. It, it's going to take hold. Believe me, I've seen these kids for 40 years where they come in and it's like. They think they know how to play defense, but it takes a while sometimes at this level of what they're going against. He's going against a kid tonight um, that's a hell of a player that's got experience. Yeah, so, Max A. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going, and and I think that's that that was part of the 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 problem Wes probably had tonight thinking about it. But that kid's he's I'm telling you, he's an alpha. And uh, whatever they've got to do to get him to take that next step, and albeit here at UC, that that'll be a big, big deal. But I think they're good. I, th I think they're good with the two guard positions. I think Day Day's still learning, to be honest, because he's making a jump. Um, but but defensively, Day Day is a little better now. Uh, but. Uh, Jizzle's going to be there. You see the athleticism. You see the quick. He's got, I'll tell you what, big fan of that kid. No doubt about it. And he's got the, uh, he's got the mental part of it where it's like, he doesn't back down from anything. So I, I just think they're in a good spot right now. And I know they lost and it's boo-hoo right now, but. I, you go back to after that Dayton game, and if I saw what I saw Saturday and tonight, and, you know, you don't want to couch it. You don't want to say, oh, well, they're, you know, it's like being the tallest building in Des Moines. I don't want to go that route and say, well, they're better than I thought they were going to be. No, they're, 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 they're getting there. They are getting there. There are still things to be ironed out, but, but my confidence comes from that I have seen this coaching staff has made these changes of, as this has gone along. This team is getting better. And that's what you ask out of a coaching staff. They are. Some of the things to iron out, though, from tonight, 15 turnovers, uh, 4 of 17 for from from, from layup. They, layups. They were 4 of 17. That was horrible. That's And, and you can point a finger at Day Day on that. He missed a few. Um, CMOS, who had a good night, missed one that was point blank. And, and you're there, and it's like, how do you miss that? I, I don't know, because I guarantee you, I sucked as a player, and I probably made 85% of my layups. The, the game was a little different back then, George. You, oh, were using, really? you were using peach baskets. It's fine. <laughs> yes, we were. Yes, we were. We had to get a pole to get it out of the bottom of the basket. <laughs> it was that bad. Uh, in any case, <laughs> in in any case, I, it's encouraging to me that this team has shown between BYU on Sunday and a huge, I think it was a huge upset win, um, especially on the road, uh, and then tonight 
Texas goes down to the wire. You got Baylor coming up next at Baylor, the number 14 team in the country, as was alluded to here in the in the chat. That's that's a daunting game on the heels of these these last two, but they're all daunting at this point, which is bananas. They totally are. This is the Big East when, when UC joined the Big East. That's what this is. When UC entered the Big East back, what? It's almost been 20 years. That conference, it was ridiculous. Every time you walked into that fifth, third arena, you were seeing a ranked team or a team that probably should have been ranked. That's how crazy that Big East was. That's where the Big 12 is right now. And it's fun. It's great. It's meaningful games every night you go in there. It's not like you walk in and go, well, I hope they win by 20 instead of 10. No, you just hope they win. And and it's – I'm thrilled about where they are right now. Um, you know, they're not where we all want them to be. But I think a lot of us had a little bit of gun shy after that football season and the Big 12. And, you know, they got manhandled a lot in football season. And we felt like that might happen in basketball season. It's like all these programs are established and they're used to doing this. You know, UC would play Houston. And then the next week, you know, they would get ECU and Tulane or, or Tulsa, who, you know, it's it's just not the same as what you're getting night in and night out in, in what was the old Big East and, and the current Big 12. And so that excites me that they're competing at that level. Um, it excites me that they're recruiting at that level in basketball. So um, as disappointed as we are with that loss tonight, it's a one-point loss at home on a bucket with six seconds to go. Um, shouldn't have happened, but it's not the end of the world. In fact, it might be the beginning of something really, really good because that, that atmosphere was so much fun. So I'm not going to be totally negative about it. Um, and, and, and I know you have a tendency sometimes to be able to show me the negative side. What am I missing? I mean, we've already touched on the, the point guard stuff. Right. Um, Is there anything? I don't know. I mean, right now, I don't know. I mean, without getting too in the weeds of it, we, we've hit on a lot of the things, or at least touched on uh, the, the things. But four of 17 from, from layups is inexcusable. But uh, I thought they're, they're – against anyone. I mean, yeah, I, you're right. I thought their their three point selection has been far better the last couple games than it had been in a lot of the out of conference games. I thought they've they've relaxed on just forcing threes as their offense. Uh, Look how many threes they shot at BYU, and 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 yeah. Aziz hit one. Vic took how many? Three or four? I can't remember how many he took. But look at the number they shot, and look at the number BYU shot. It was like forty six BYU. And yeah. UC was in the teens, which yeah. is great. I'm I'm fine with that. When when you can play defense and you don't rely on the three, and 
you know, they may have exposed BYU a little bit. So, so well, yeah, I, I, I'm good with their three-point shot selection, but I still think Vic took two too many tonight. As you say that, just looking around the league right now, uh, BYU-Baylor is at halftime. BYU's up six. Um, that's a pretty big matchup, though, 18 versus 14. Uh, Who Texas that? In that one? Um, I don't know. I don't want – I don't like playing a team that lost, just lost. Exactly. I know. I would rather BYU win that, but maybe I would rather Baylor win that and be comfortable. Well, it's only because Baylor is next on the schedule. Otherwise, right. I'd, I'd rather BYU won. Totally. Um, totally. But Houston lost to Iowa State at Iowa State tonight. How um, about that? Huge upset there. Uh, Kansas State beats the brakes off West Virginia. They can't catch a break. And uh, Texas Tech beats Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. Um, so just kind of a quick look around. Um, but I don't know. I mean, as far that's, that's going to be tough Saturday, as we all know. Going down, whether Baylor's coming off a win or a loss, it doesn't matter. Um, as far as the negativity goes, as I'm looking at the stat sheet and just kind of one, one thing that stuck out to me the last two games now unless you absolutely need him because of foul trouble or some other reason, is it time to not throw Odio Guama into the game early on? I, know I was he surprised he came in as early as he did. I am surprised about that. And am I, did he only play those two minutes? Yes. He had two minutes in this game. He had three minutes against BYU kind of in the sim, in a similar situation, but I don't. I think I'd rather him either come in as a sub midway through, or 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 later in the first half, or I, earlier I, in. The, I I can agree with that. Or earlier in the second half, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. In fact, he came off the bench tonight. Yeah, before Reynolds got in the game, I believe. I I just think that it's wasted minutes early, that early in the game bringing Odie in, especially I, I want to say the rotation he was in, there wasn't a ton of guys who create shots. I know he was in there with another big. I don't recall what that rotation was. I wish I would have written it down when I was watching it, but I'll have to keep an eye out for that in the next game. If he does come in, I'll, I think I'll write down the, the rotation that he came in with, but I think it was like Josh, Dan, Jizzle, Odie, and I don't remember who the other big was. I think that's when the guy next to me said, how are we going to score? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I think that's when so – but I will say, Odie did his one bucket. You know yep. how many times they've thrown the ball to him where he's got position underneath. Up, up or down, up down, up down. Or doesn't catch it at all. Yeah. He caught this tough pass and laid it in. I was shocked. That was down yeah. at my end, too, and I, I, I was proud of him. But, yeah, I get that. That is a good point that he came in. He came in before Reynolds, if I remember right, and probably played a minute or whatever. And then I don't know if he came in in the second half or not. If he did, it was just for a, a cameo. But um, I don't think he did. I, I think Wes is working that out. Um, that's a good question for him as, as to where that rotation is. 
but they'll get there, I think. I think. I think they'll figure that out. Um, so we'll see. But I, I will say tonight, correct me if I'm wrong, I really think Jamil Reynolds is starting to be a little assertive. And he, he had one of the nastiest dunks I've seen in Fifth Third Arena, certainly since they renovated it tonight when he picked up that ball in the second half under the bucket and just flushed it. And that he, was a nasty, nasty, angry dunk. And I I love those angry dunks out of him. You've seen 40-plus years of Bearcat basketball, and I feel like he exudes everything that we grew up watching. I yep. mean, I I came up early years, where you know, the Kenyon Martin years and Danny Fortson years and some of that. I, I just feel like, you know, kind of going back throwback. He's he's like a throwback player. He's a total throw, totally, 100% agree. In fact, so when I said that, the dude, I, when he threw that dunk down, I go, that may be the nastiest dunk I've seen in the new Fifth Third Arena. And my buddy didn't hear me. He goes, that wasn't nastier than what Eric Hicks did. And I go, <laughs> oh, you're probably right. But it was it was in that category. And I meant since they renovated, that was probably the nastiest dunk. I mean, that, that was – I think that's a kid that's going to have to get more minutes, in my opinion. When, when they play in this in this league. And I thought the combination of him and Vic down there, not necessarily playing together, but at least one of them in the game and down low and you feed down there and you get that guy, number one, in foul trouble. Yeah, and, and they kind of did the same thing with the with – the, oh, what was the name? The guy's name. Because number uh, one – Dylan DeSue. Game, but he didn't want any part of him under the bucket. Dylan DeSue, they they ran a, an inbound towards the end of the game as they were Texas was starting to foul, and I thought it was a brilliant move to try and get the ball to Vic. So Dylan DeSue was the guy who had to, to foul him, and he was already at three, and he collected right. his fourth foul in that way. Uh, I thought that was a, a brilliant move. That uh, is. That is. But unfortunately, it was, it was all for naught. Well, I think there's some stuff they come out of this and learn from. I really do. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's really strange, but but the closer you get there, the more the kids are willing to learn. They're, they're getting a good taste of being a part of the conversation. Are they part of the conversation? No. But they're going to be if they pick up a couple more wins and start making some noise in this conference because, you know, they're playing in the best conference in the country. They, they're one and one, and their one loss is a one-point loss. I don't know what's going to happen at Baylor. You can't predict. You know, it, it could be a bust out and they get – you don't know. Every team has these stinkers in them. I hope they don't come Saturday. But I will say this, two games in, I'm encouraged. And um, – as mad as I was at Wes after Xavier and Dayton, um, I'm back on his board. I'm back on his bandwagon. Well, uh, I guess the, the last thing that I'll bring up, you kind of talked about the travel early on when we when we first started the show. I think it was a clear-cut travel. There, there's And the ref was standing – I've watched the replay. The ref was standing 
three feet away from him. He's, he's right there. There's no reason for him not to see and call that travel. That said, uh, what are your thoughts on running the offense without a timeout in the what's apparently the, the Roy Williams way of, of running the end of a game there where you just you had a timeout in your pocket, you, you left with that timeout still in your pocket, and uh, you, you didn't burn one to call a play there yeah. at the end of the game. That's where that that's a coach thing where it to me that's different every game. And 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 a lot of it is how much you trust your players and, and what you know they know. But to me, if that's a game where you feel like they got the flow and they can they can do this, then you don't mess with them. But if you I, I just think that there's no I don't like that cookie cutter stuff that you definitely call a timeout for that last possession. I think you go with how you trust your players, how the game's been going. And if you think they know how to handle what this other team's throwing at you, you let them go because they're the guys that are going to be back on their heels a little bit. So I, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with, if that's what you do every stinking game, I think every game's different. Um, it, it's it drives me nuts when when you have this cookie cutter stuff that oh I got a timeout left I got to call it here to set the offense and do that. Sometimes you don't want to set the offense. You want to let the defense to figure out and let your players play. So I don't have a problem with that. But I have a problem with that if it happens a bunch of times and it doesn't work and you're still doing the same thing. All right. Um, what's that? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. I, I get it. Um, but I'm, I'm sure whenever Chad returns, we, we either – I don't know if he'll join this show live or if we'll just do the uh, – he and I will do the nightcap later. But I'm sure there will be – Plenty more to talk about in regards to basketball. But that said, let's switch gears real quick here, George. Um, there were a slew of transfer commits for the football team for this University of Cincinnati. Uh, as you picked up defensive lineman Darian Varner, Logan Wilson, safety, Jared Bartlett, edge, Makai Miller, listed as safety, Joe Royer, tight end, Derek corner and today tyron smith receiver uh, i believe i haven't seen him on here uh, chance williams as well um at yeah, running back um and, and i don't know if they're done i don't know if we're going to see more before spring ball but it's a lot of guys that have come in in the last three days i think it's a total of uh of, of eight in the last three days yeah um, Anyone stand out to you? You're this portal dance thing up until when classes were starting and all that. And you're, in fact, yeah. the one guy left. First Correct. of all, how in the hell there has got to be, there has got to be when, when you're in the portal and you commit to a team and you sign those grant and aid papers or what, somewhere there's got to be a commitment. There can't be this crap. Because let's just say the quarterback, okay? Let's say he commits to UC, and then the day before classes, he he gets a bigger NIL deal or whatever. 
from another school and says, ah, I'm going over there. Well, you've just missed 20 days of the portal to get another quarterback, and your guy just up and late. They got to fix that. That That's a problem. That's a yeah, big you're- problem. And I don't mind kids having the upper hand and the players. Have, that That's not what this is about. But you can't have a kid committed, and then he just up and leaves, and then you're like, well, crap. We don't have a quarterback for next year, or at least we don't have an experienced quarterback that we thought might be the guy. Now we got to rely on what we have in-house or someone we might get in the spring. That's BS. And and the NCAA, as we all know, have screwed this up from start to finish with this NIL thing. A lot of it had to do they were on shaky ground. But uh, I, I just – this portal thing drives me crazy. However, all that being said, UC seems to have done fairly well there. Here's where we're going to find out if we can trust these coaches in their uh, their talent evaluation because they've redone this defense. Other than a couple guys, this is going to be pretty much a brand-new defense and a new defensive backfield, which needed to be done. But this is really interesting. This is like the wild, wild west in the early days of NFL free agency. When our uh, our beloved Cincinnati Bengals were the last people to dip their toe in the pool on that stuff, and they just got their lunch eat from start to finish. Uh, these guys seem to be pretty active. We'll see. Um, on paper and and what they've done and the subtractions, the additions. Um, I'm okay. I'm, 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 I like what they've done. I like getting the tight end from Elder. I'll take a local guy anytime I'm a homer. Uh, but that's a kid that was a four-star coming out of Elder, goes to Ohio State, right. gets a little buried on the depth chart, has some injury issues, uh, but comes home. Could be, could be a great get because they certainly need tight end help. I'd agree. Uh, of course, you're talking about Joe Royer, the transfer from Ohio State at tight end there. Um, and, and the player that you were talking about who signed and left uh, was was not a quarterback, as you used as an example, but uh, was George Gums. The, right, the defensive the, end. I just wanted to clarify for anybody who was this. Nuts. It I, I couldn't I, believe it. I thought the guy was here. He well, was he, here. He was. But, he signs with who he signed with? Florida? Florida. Florida. The I Gators, yeah. On Twitter – with his picture and a gator on it. And I'm like, wait a minute, didn't that guy just sign with UC? And it's like, no, you don't sign. You get your grant and aid, but you can still, and it's like, oh my God. As if I thought the NCAA screwed this up enough, they screwed it up even more than I thought they did. Yeah, you're, you're not locked in until you show up for that first day of class. That's That's when you're locked in. Well, that's insane. Like I what couldn't. I agree. Like, how did they not make this work? Like National Signing Day, where you say, "Okay, I signed," and, I and I'm there at that. least a year. This guy wouldn't hear what a week, two weeks. Uh, above above my the skyline, what? A, uh, 
<laughs> above my pay grade, George. Well, above mine too, but it shouldn't be the way it shook out. I mean, I'm an idiot. An idiot could come up with a better system than this. In any case, if they do not uh, sign another player or bring in another transfer, uh, just kind of running down the list here, most of these guys came from big programs. And I, I think that's kind of a, a nice thing this this staff has done is it's plucked guys from other Power 5 programs. Um, but they also, most of them, uh, there were a couple recent ads uh, that have a year of eligibility, but most have multiple years of eligibility. Um, but Indiana, Eastern Michigan, Ohio State, Ohio State, FAU, uh, Idaho, Indiana State for the long snapper, uh, Louisville, Wisconsin, North Texas, West Virginia, UTEP, New Mexico State, Ohio State, and Virginia Tech. So a lot of big programs there. Yeah, they ended up with three Ohio State guys, which there's no shame in that, believe me. I mean, UC over the years has made a pretty good living on transfers coming back to town who, you know, went elsewhere to play in the Big Ten or or uh, wherever. Um, so there, there's no shame in that. I'm glad they have these guys. I'm glad these kids are coming home to play. I think uh, – um, it's, it's, I, I thought they did good in the running back department. I mean, they already have Corey Kiner and what, what they've added to that room. Uh, they lost miles Montgomery, but it looks like they've done pretty well. The, the kid from Grambling looks like a kid that might be able to motor, um, same way with the wide receiver from, from UTEP, which right. that, that's an interesting story. That's the kid that just the Tyron last Smith. Yeah. Tyron Smith, yeah. So he went to Texas A&M and went through the portal last year to A&M, right? Am I, am I correct about this? And then decided in spring ball, A&M wasn't for him, and they were going to use him. They were high on him, and he went back to UTEP. He got hurt, I believe, and didn't have a lot of numbers this year. But I think he went to A&M and then right. ended up back at UTEP. It, it which what what a journey for him, um, but I I gotta tell you, I mean, with the talent A and M and what they do, and let's face it, they got no problem with money down there for players in the portal. And that kid got there and decided maybe this isn't for me. It goes back, but they saw something in this dude. Apparently, he's got some speed and, and can be a difference maker, and that that'll be huge for this team offensively. Although the freshman Jackson from this past year, I'm excited about him too. And I Gray think Jackson, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. it looked like an absolute stud when he got into the games last year. So I'm, I'm really uh, not bullish on the football team, but I, I think here, here's, here's, here's what I like is this coaching staff came in they had a disaster of a season, and they're not pussyfooting around. They are making moves. They are shoving things out, pulling things in, and trying to make it better. So uh, that I like to see because what we saw on the field was not up to standard, and you've got to make some. Uh, you've got to make some moves. 
And you probably have to make some people very uncomfortable doing that. And they've kind of done that. They, they've remade it. We'll see what happens. But I, I'm very uh, optimistic that at least they are making those. We'll see if they're the right moves. But they knew they couldn't stand pat and just hope to get some guys in recruiting and a couple of tra- – no. They swabbed the decks. So we'll see. And if it doesn't work, well, we will switch gears conversation in a year or two. Yeah, then we'll we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> uh, we'll switch gears one last time here, as uh, we do cover more than just the University of Cincinnati on this particular show, and we will discuss the Cincinnati Bengals uh, as they round out their season, capping off the. 2023-24 season with a 31-14 victory over the Cleveland Browns and I was upset they won this game George I wanted them for, I wanted them about you for yeah absolutely you went from I, I believe if they had lost this game they would have been at like the 13th pick instead they're at the 18th pick not great hey but they got another winning season okay uh, and and Joe Mixon, who we had been clamoring for, ends up over a thousand yards somehow. I don't know how that happened. When I feel like they did not want to run the ball with him, but he had a, a weird year, and and it wasn't his best year by far. But it may have been given what you just said. Um, there were games that they so gave up on the run. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's tough for me to say. You don't want to look, Aaron. They weren't going to lose to any team the Browns threw out there on Sunday because the Browns weren't playing. I but, understand that. I know. I know. The Browns were putting out, I mean, for God's sakes, they brought in Jeff Driscoll. I mean, this was just a disaster. Of a game like and Cleveland didn't need it. They just said, screw it. We need eleven guys in orange helmets. I'm surprised they didn't play guys both ways. I would. If I <laughs> if I were in that position, I would. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? You would take your bottom eleven and say, Boys, it's on you. You're playing and I know the NFL would go nuts about this. Well, the players <laughs> association would go nuts. We gotta do. Bullshit. You would have cut <laughs> down the preseason a long time ago. I mean, I would have guys play both ways. I'd have my I would have my my practice squad quarterback playing cornerback in that game. Who cares? They got nothing to play. They, they should do that. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Uh I guess the argument against that would be the fact that I What's the what's well, the roster? Gamble on it. Well, that's their problem. Well, I'm not even saying that. I I stayed away from that game this weekend. But yeah, I mean, God, they bring in Jeff Driscoll and they got you know some guy that was flipping burgers last week playing tight end because they didn't play a Joku. I mean, it's a it, and God bless those guys. They get to show their skills. But I just let guys play. I play 22 guys and just say go. I don't care. If Jamar runs past you, I don't care. Don't tackle him. Just get off the field without hurting yourself. 
Yeah, just I don't get injured. Insurance. I, I think that I think that's where you, you ha- would have to be careful about who you were playing, only because I don't know that you have enough roster spots to just throw out guys going both ways. No, I'm just throwing something crazy. Out there. <laughs> I mean, because if you take it to the ultimate, that's where it's going to go. There will be some time an Andy Reid or a Bill Belichick plays guys both ways in a game in week 18. Because, I mean, there's only so much you can do. And it's like if you're going to protect your guys, then protect all your guys that are starters. So that game, the Bengals are going to win that no matter what. Um, I, I just wish that they had had a little more to play for at the end. But I, I give it this. Um, yes, they ran hard. Mixon did. Jake Browning played well. Um, but all that was about was just getting the season over and figuring out this off or this off season. And they've got a lot to figure out. Like, so Joe Mix or uh, Joe Burrow talked like uh, T. Higgins would be back, and I think he will. But they've got a lot of guys that they got to figure out. And if they don't bring them back, they got to find guys they're going to bring in. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. It really is. This is um, more interesting than two offseasons ago. And that was an interesting offseason after the Super Bowl. Um, this one's going to be very, very interesting. I think T comes back. Do you think they tag him? I mean, I think they probably will at first before they work out a long-term deal. But I think bare minimum, they're going to tag T Higgins. What do you think? I would, I would hope so. I think if you just let him walk for nothing, you've mismanaged his value entirely. Right. Um, but honestly, if they didn't, if they didn't, if they just let him walk, it wouldn't be the craziest thing they've done in the offseason either. And that makes I me a little. I just don't think they will. I think, first of all, they've got enough cap space still, surprisingly surprisingly but you know you're looking um we'll stay on the wide receivers tyler boyd will he be back Mm -hmm. you think he will i i I actually i don't think he's going to be back but i don't know either i I was just i don't know how they do it unless he's taking a unless he's taking a huge discount and feels like he got paid his big contract this this past contract I just, I just, and, and, and on top of that, and I, 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 I'm a, I'm a Tyler Boyd champion, but he had a lot of drops this year, and he had some critical drops. So, yes, yes, he did. Are you going to invest in that as a veteran, and who is clearly number three as your wide receiver, or are you going to invest in somebody else that's already on the roster? that you don't have to pony up for, or somebody you draft. Um, I, I think I'm, that's what they do. I'm not certain that Yoshi isn't a better three than Tyler Boyd at this point. but And they may be thinking that, right. So you, you so I think he's probably gone. Awujier, I don't know what's going to happen there. That's such a critical position. It is that. And, I mean, obviously you got Cam Taylor-Britt. Um, 
But Awuzie, he's been an injury liability, much like another guy who's also going to be a free agent in DJ Reader. Um, and even oh. going back, even going back to T. Higgins, him missing this past Sunday, uh, he only played in sixty-five percent of the games that he was available as a Bengal. That's crazy. That is crazy, and that's where you have to think because that's a big contract, and. Yeah, it, it, it's is it worth it? And he's you know injured right now, so I that's that is a real. So I wonder what his offers are going to be. That's going to be very interesting. I don't like to be this guy, but I wonder how many of his injuries this season he would have played through if it was not a contract year, or if you're on a winning season as opposed to what happened what at the was. end of the season. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get where you, that's that's. A total enigma there. And then uh, let me go down. Oh, here's an interesting one. And I think this guy's gone. And I think you'll believe he's gone. I think everyone thinks he's gone. Jonah Williams. Gone, right? Yep. Appreciate your, wasn't that appreciate your service, sir. Right. He's gone. Former first-round pick. Well, but, at this, at this point, you stop – blind stuff to do this offseason. At this point, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, do you stop drafting Alabama tackles? <laughs> well, you're going back to uh, – oh, I'm trying to remember the guy that had the god-awful – Andre Smith. During the yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Jonah Williams. That, uh, even – even if you want to look at another big program, if you want to, I don't know that Ohio State's offensive line has had a ton of luck, um, at least not here. Uh, yeah, not with, here. With with Billy Price being the, the most recent. Um, oh, so man, they got so jobbed on that pick. God Almighty! It they turned out to be. He turned into B.J. Hill, which they made that trade. Right. But they needed a center so bad, mm-hmm. and somebody moved up and took that dude. It may have been the line. Somebody it was Detroit. That, that dude from Arkansas. Yeah, it was. De- it was Detroit. Yeah, they took. Uh, uh, what was his name? Frank. Uh, God dang it! What was his last name? Last now? No. It might not have been that good if we can't remember him. So maybe yeah. they missed on him. Or he's but a center. Billy Price's first three years. But right Billy, now. I, I, yeah, Billy, that was a reach. That was, they got jobbed and they needed a center, but God damn it, go out and buy one, man. Um, who else we got on this list? Uh, you got DJ Reader. You got Tyler Boyd. Boyd Joe D. Higgins. Irv Smith. Nah. Um, Tupo, who has been a serviceable backup defensive tackle. Um, Sharping's been an okay backup offensive lineman. Then you got the tight ends. They got to do something there. Um, sample, I don't know what they'll do there. Do you think they, what do you think they draft? I mean, it's, it's going to, it's too far out to know. Sure. And you don't know until they do the draft because somebody may fall to you at another position. And I, I'm a big believer in 
you do not lock yourself into a position in the draft. You take the best dude or the dude that has the most upside and that can help your team the way you play the best. And pretty much you don't worry about position. Um, and I think the Bengals are still good enough all around. They don't have to, you know, sell themselves out like they did for the Billy Price pick. And I, I still don't know what the hell they were doing drafting John Ross. At. I, I, I've never. <laughs> I, I have no idea what that was about. I have no uh, idea. What the hell was that about? I, I don't I get it. I didn't I get can't. it at the time. I'm like, okay, he ran a good 40 time, but my God. I mean, I, I, I don't. And that's a good kid, but Jesus. Uh, well, you, your team. the NFL does things where you have free agency before the draft. So before we're answering any draft questions, we'll at least get to see what they do in free agency and see what they prioritize with this money, because you potentially could end up with your tight end. You could end up with your defensive tackle. You could end up with your right tackle. And as you're looking to protect Joe Burrow, I would hope that you end up with at least a lineman. Um, and whether that be a guard or a tackle. Uh, yeah, they're going to go out and get some guys. There, there's no doubt. You're right. That will, that, that will answer some of the draft question. However, I will go back to this. I do not want to be locked into a position of need in the draft. I just don't. I agree. I know I there like are being... positions of need that you may draft a little heavier as it goes on. But when you're in the first and second round, if you're locked into that, you're a losing organization. I I actually agree. And I, I hope that they go the route of, you know, like some of the teams that are in the playoffs every year, like your Eagles, like your Kansas City, even, even with the mess that their wide receivers were, Kansas City has it figured out to where their defense is really good. Their offense was lackluster this season, but they're still there. So – Hey, boss. You are the only guy not standing with five minutes left during the timeout. I'm I working. I know you were doing important work, but there's there's however many thousands standing, 12,000 and 012 standing. Well, 12,011, and there was one guy working. God bless you. Somebody, somebody's got to do it, George. I know. Somebody, somebody has to bite the bullet and put in the hard work. I, 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 I used to be that guy. Now you get to enjoy it. Yeah, it was fun. I, it sucked I mean, that they lost, but it was, it was fun basketball, wasn't it? I, I'm with like for me, the entire night was about. Thank God this is back. Like yes. We spent a decade wandering in the wilderness, lost in the woods. Yeah. And fi like finally the student section was there early. They were buzzing. Like it was, it just it felt right. It, yeah, it, felt it was a big like, time atmosphere. It was a yeah. big, it felt like to me, Chad. I told Aaron this earlier. It was like the beginning of when they joined the Big East. And it was like, oh my God, that's what this is. And it was like that was back where night in and night out, it's a name opponent that is not just name, 
but probably ranked. So I the, the standard bearer for me, and of course, there were years during the Huggins era that that place was crazy, whatever. But the game I remember that like has always stuck in my brain was the SK Russ Smith Louisville uh, where Russ hit the jumper with, with two seconds left to win. Ironically, almost the exact same outcome as tonight. But that was the game I think Rick Pitino said that's the loudest arena I've ever played in. Yes. And that one has always been like, and tonight didn't reach those levels. You had two first-team All-Americans just throwing haymakers yeah. in that game that, that made that game insane. But when the moment called for it, that place was Fifth Third Arena. Well, no, it wasn't Fifth Third Arena again, George. You know what it was? The Shoemaker. It was the shoe. Was. I almost put that on Twitter. Like, look, yeah. Fifth Third Arena is gone. Yeah. The shoe is back. The shoe was that's, back. That's what it felt like. It was. I mean, it was such a shame they didn't win that game. But I, I am telling you this. Whatever I spent for those tickets, I didn't pay enough because that was a lot of fun. That, that was well, cool. let me, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it as simple as this, and Aaron and I will talk about it on the nightcap in a little bit, but based on where we were coming out of the Evansville game and looking at the Big 12 and the first six games and and where this team stood and and all of it, if I had told you. First two, 11-point win, and a, a game you lost in the final 10 seconds. And everybody would have said, absolutely. Because yep, no doubt. What I take away from these two games is this team's all right in this league. Like, this league isn't – are there better teams coming? Absolutely. Kansas is a monster. Like, but guess what? I don't, I don't know if you guys have talked about this. Uh, Houston Baylor lost to Iowa State. Uh, Houston lost to Iowa State. Baylor and BYU, 54 all with 10 right. minutes in the game. And UC was better than BYU. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, instead of, like, we, we were looking at those first six games like, boy, you, you can scratch out one or two. But, but yeah. 0-6 felt like. If they went 0-6, I think we all would have went. It, this is terrible, but we could – it felt like this was a direction it was heading. And now two games in, this is a Big 12 team. Aaron, are you mad that he said what I kind of <laughs> Old guys figure this shit out, Chad. <laughs> I was listening. Look. I really did. I felt like after what we saw at BYU – and tonight, they belong in this league, and they're not going to get – it's not going to be the football season. Look, you know what You know what? I don't feel like? I don't feel like UCF. Who <laughs> looks completely overmatched in their first two Big 12 right. games. Right. Completely overmatched. West Virginia right now is completely overmatched in this league. Are there going to be nights where Cincinnati loses by 15 in the next 16 games? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But I don't feel like this team is going to be swimming upstream for the next two months. I don't either. I, I that that's the thing that that was weird walking out of that game tonight. I was almost relieved 
of like they belong. They yeah. competed to the final minute. They should have won the game. They should have won the game. Um, they had their they, opportunities to win, and they let them get away. Yes. However, it's not like they're playing Stetson, Evansville. But it, right. These ECU, are Tulane, Tulsa. Oh, God. That number one. <laughs> that number one tonight just – oh. Well, but, and, and again, we'll get to it. But you, you almost had to pick your poison, and they did because you didn't want – Asmus and Terry right. to, to kick your ass. And they no, held I, those guys in check. I agree. I agree. The, the only thing I would say, and I told Aaron this earlier, and he's probably tired of hearing it, is when they posted up either Jamil or Vic down low and that dude was on him and they went to him, he wanted no part yeah. of them. And that's fine with me. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Make him either foul you or you just score every time. But – that's easier said than done because they're doing things to negate that. But that that would and be also every. But it was a hell of a game. But also, Simas kind of took over at that point as well. Like, oh yeah, they they, they scored. They, it wasn't like there was a bunch of empty possessions. They, no, they, I agree. I just I would have get yeah, no, them no, no, no. out of their thing at the other yeah. end. I'm just. I would have more. I would be a lot more on your side. If they went away from what was working and what they went to they didn't, didn't work, score. right? No, then I'm, I would be, then I would be pissed off. <laughs> right. And I, I just, I don't know. They, they, you can go back to twenty possessions in that game on either team and say it would have been this or it would have been that. And yeah. so that, that's a great game. It, but, it was a great look, game. It was a lot of fun. Um, Aaron hit the nail on the head. So much early. But again, that's just you're not going to play a perfect game. I I just thought, I thought it was a tremendous game, tremendous at atmosphere, and it gives me hope going forward that they are not as overmatched as what we probably thought a couple weeks ago. Aaron nailed it. Four of seventeen on layups. You that, go, how does that happen? Just saw you're you're going up soft. You're not playing. Off two feet with well, two hands, you're not playing strong. You're playing tentative at the rim. And so hell, you know what happened, one of those layups, George, was a shot from Dan that had should have had. I mean, he was falling into the crowd and gave it one of these, and it went in. It did go in. That, that is counting that one. Um, so thirty years ago, you would have given Chuck Maychuk a big bag. And had every guy come in and Chuck hits you as you're going yep. up for the yep. shot. And if you don't make it, you're running. And that was without their shot blocker. They they weren't contested like altered altered layups at the rim. They missed a lot of easy ones at the rim. Day Day had I think yeah. at least three. Um, Dan had a couple. Cmos had a couple. Um, it was it was universal. He did, but but. They, they get what Aaron loves with Jamil. He does not try to shoot layups, sir. Okay. <laughs> I, I called it earlier. I felt like that dunk, I think it was the second half. Yeah. Where they, the backboard did this for 30 seconds. That was the most angry dunk I've seen since they renovated the arena. Since Eric Hicks or Jason Maxiel? Because because the guy next to me, when I said, that's the angriest dunk I've seen in this arena, he goes, 
more angry than Eric Hicks. I go, well, I mean, since they, hey, yeah, well, hey, hey, we're not saying that. Right. Calm down. <laughs> we're talking about twenty years. Yeah, that was an angry dunk. That was funny. That that dude's a man. I'm just telling you right now, he's a man, grown ass man. And he he's man, I, he's going to get better. He's getting more comfortable. He he played some it, that little righty hook. He oh, hit like three times tonight. Look great. Uh, that's I, I guess that's part of my problem, just not going inside more. Although they have done that the last couple of day, games, to be honest, because the the number of three pointers has come down. In my opinion, I haven't looked at the stats, but when you look at what they shot Saturday night at BYU versus what BYU shot, I mean BYU shot like thirty some, thirty more threes. They shot 40, 46 crazy. threes, 46 threes. It was the most ever in the history of their gym. That's crazy. That is, that is just praying to God. That's praying I'll tell you, God, man. I don't, do Mormons believe in God? I'm, I'm not sure what, what the deity is. It's and, cloudy. It's cloudy. It's, God. it's cloudy. Um, if, if, look, I'll take seven for 17 from three. Every night, yeah. would I would I maybe like a little like would I like him to probably be more in the twenty two to twenty three range? Sure, uh, especially if they're hitting forty one percent, then take a couple more. Yeah, but, but I, I will take. They that. took they took good threes. They took smart threes. They they were they were sound. Yeah, I I I, I do feel like they're on a pretty darn good path right now, and I was uh, very pleased with these last two games even though one was a loss and I hate losing. But you heard it from, from Chad, Aaron, that atmosphere and all that. It, it transcended a win or a loss tonight. We're back. We're, We're back. back. We got big-time basketball, and we got a lot to look forward to. That, that's what I'll say. And the shout-out to the fans, they actually did the strike thing. Did yeah. you know about this? I, I like saw it. Yeah, I saw it all over. Yes. I I didn't know until I was leaving for the game, and I'm like, oh, crap. Is this a game where you got to wear something? Then I look on the splash page, and it's like, oh, that's strike, strike fifth third game. And I'm like, oh, God. Now I got to look up my – and it was easy to look it up. It was right there. It was like a map of fifth third arena and where your section was and what color it was. So henceforth, all the red tonight. I was in a red section. But but the fans the fans actually did it. Um, and, and what was funny was I felt like the striping was actually better in the upper deck. Like those people are into it. Shocker. Crazy. No, they no, one, no one's surprised by that. Uh, they let miscreants like you in the upper deck, Aaron, of course. Exactly. And George. Yeah, and me and Party Dave and all those you're, there. Let's face it, though. You're in the upper deck because the bourbon bar is right there. The bourbon bar is right behind me. I'm in a, I'm in a <laughs> section with two rows, and I'm in the front row. I'm in the front row with a rail. I can spit on chat if I need to, although I'd never do that. I might throw you a peanut or a beer. Uh, but yeah. two years and you haven't done that I yet, to, huh? I tried to buy you one last week and you wouldn't. You said I'm working. 
I don't want like, I, I like I guess I gotta drink this. Okay. <laughs> That's what it was, Aaron. He bought two beers for himself. He gave a courtesy. He knew I wasn't gonna take it. Jared, knew, you want this one? No, I'm doing. good. I was hoping you would. I was hoping you would. We'll go out and get some soon, Chad. I promise. Again, the Bearcats are at Baylor Sorry, on on Saturday night at eight o'clock. Um, I'm sure we were we dealing with a crisis in the Brendo household. Uh, apparently, once I got home, Kelsey let the puppy out to go to the bathroom because it's been raining for forty days and forty nights. The puppy got mud on her claws and then sprinted up to Kelsey's room and got them all over her comforter. <laughs> Well, with that said, look at the smile on Aaron. Look at the smile on Aaron. He's never been happier to hear anything in his whole life. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to end the show. Goodness, but that's what dogs do. They're oh, dogs. That's hilarious. I'm like, calm down. Put the thing in the washer, and you're okay. Well, George and I will be doing another post game after the TCU game next week. Oh crap! That's a home game, right? It is yep. another home game, George. Okay, I'm going to be on the road. I'll be in Florida, but I can do the show from down there. Uh, All right. Yeah. I got to get okay. That's fine. I'm fine. Going, I'll, it's a last minute golf thing, but I will be fine. You should be uh, in rare retire, form. Retired life. Yeah, I know. I'm Just a last minute golf trip to Florida. I know. I'm not used to this. This is weird to me. This is so weird. Well, at least we'll be able to go right around that that nine nine fifteen nine thirty mark. We'll go right after the game's over and hopefully punch in a mirror or something because I get a little mad about losses. I hope you're not punching anything as well. Uh, but Cincinnati will be playing be playing Baylor on Saturday and then TCU on Tuesday. You can catch George and I back here on George in the Jungle at nine p.m. next Tuesday. Uh, but again, thank you to our sponsor, Remington Tavern. You can find them at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140 with their daily happy hours from 3 to 7, $5 wood for Wednesdays. On Instagram at Remy Tav Cincy, R-E-M-I-T-A-V, Cincy with the Y, and follow them on Facebook. But until next week, that is another episode of The Jungle for George Vogel. I'm Aaron Smith. We'll see you next week. Oh, I got to pee.